going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at DerekTateNFL. And Derek, I know that you feel a little bit left out every single time that the three of us do a podcast together because it's Kyle and it's Kyle. You don't have that. So I went out to go get another Derek onto the podcast for you. That is Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros. He can be found on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. Derek, I will come back to you in a second. Debro, how are we doing today, man? <laughs> What's going on, boys? Uh, it's a good time. It's a good week of football. Uh, we're about to close the chapter on week four. And man... Uh, there's some interesting wide receivers to talk about today. I'm ready. Let's let's get into this. But before we do, Derek, I do want to check in on you, so you don't get a, you know just feel left out here. How are we doing, my friend? Well, I can go by Tater if that makes it a little bit easier for you, so we're not going Derek, 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 Derek all the Ooh. time. And it feels good though. I've got you outnumbered now, two Dereks to one Kyle. So flipping the script on you a little bit, feeling pretty good though. Uh, bye week madness is about to ensue on, upon all of us here in our fantasy leagues. Yes, uh, bye weeks are now upon us and we have to find some fill-in options here and we will talk about whether or not this is the week that you should be really excited to be looking for some fill-in options on the waiver wire. Before we get into that, I wanted to do question of the day here, fellas. We are coming off of Sunday Night Football where the Chiefs offense didn't exactly look fantastic here. So I wanna ask this question. Are we panicking on Patrick Mahomes just yet? Averaging just 251 and a half passing yards per game. He's got eight passing touchdowns on the season through four games, four interceptions. But here's the thing, QB7, QB12, QB5, and QB17 right now with an asterisk, asterisk before Monday Night Football finishes on the year. This is not what people drafted him to be. Derek, I will start with you. That is Derek Tate. I will call Debro Debro. Derek, I'll start with you. Are we panicking on Patrick Mahomes just yet? Not quite yet. Not quite yet. It's going to take a lot more for me to uh, panic on Patrick Mahomes. They're just trying to figure out exactly who the main cogs in this offense are going to be. And plus, in, in, in week number four, they did run into a New York Jets defense that was playing at home. It's a pretty quality unit. It's unfortunate that, you know, the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to have to probably be subjected to watching Jets primetime football on a couple of different occasions during the 2023 NFL season. But Make no mistake about it. They're still a pretty quality unit on the defensive side of the football. So they got off to a pretty big lead and they didn't really have to do, do a whole lot. And wasn't there wasn't a whole lot asked of Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not going to, you know, panic quite yet on the guy that I think is the face of the league moving forward. Debra, what about for you? Are we panicking on him from a fantasy standpoint? No, we're not panicking on, on Patty Mahomes. And the other thing was like, what would panic even look like? Would people say, I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna sit Patrick Mahomes right. for any number of streaming options? Nobody's gonna do that. And the other part about this is we just talked about and Yates who rolled through all of his weekly finishes. He's been good outside of playing a really tough Jets defense this last week. So no, people need to chill out. Just just take a deep breath, step away from the lineup. And, and just understand, it's still Patrick Mahomes. You guys know this, though. We have been doing this long enough where there are going to be people that are, I'm not getting QB1 fantasy finishes every single week out of Patrick Mahomes. If there is an opportunity in your league to go and acquire, buy a low on Patrick Mahomes, it seems ridiculous to say, but if there is an opportunity, I'm going to do that before week five when he faces the Minnesota Vikings secondary and we get a big blow performance here from Patrick Mahomes. 
Before we get into waiver wire conversation here for today, I want to remind you, you can watch this show over at youtube.com slash at PFN fantasy. The subscriber count continues to rise. We appreciate the support over there. If you're watching, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel and click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops. If you are listening to this podcast, take 30 seconds out of your day and rate and review the show. Leave that five-star rating. It helps out in a massive, massive way. We appreciate each and every review that comes in. All the support that you guys are providing means an absolute ton to us so make sure 30 seconds out of your day rate and review the show means a whole lot all right without any further ado let's get into running back waiver wire pickups here for week five Derek I will start here with you who is at number five in the running back waiver wire pickups Derek Tate I assume Derek yes yeah Derek <laughs> no deep ride I, I got you uh so it's not very exciting this week for a lot of different running back waiver wire ads one guy that I'm kind of getting a little bit intrigued by, though, is Latavius Murray. Um, I understand that there's not a whole lot of volume. He's, you know, a max of six, you know, carries in a given week throughout the 2023 NFL season. But it does look like he's the one that's working in tandem with James Cook. Uh, he did score a rushing touchdown in week two and in week three. He did not do so in week four, but he was also on the field in some third down situations, did have two receptions for 24 yards and still think that, He's a preferred goal line option when the Bills do get down inside the five-yard line as opposed to that of James Cook. So if if we're willing to throw money at adding Jarek McKinnon because he's in a high-powered offense, I think the same could apply to that of Latavius Murray. Yeah, absolutely qualifies as more of that deep league bench stash, someone that you're not picking up and starting necessarily right away because you're, you've got players on the bye week or anything like that, but definitely someone to keep an eye on there. Debro, I will send it over to you. Who is at number five in the running back waiver wire pickups on the week? I'm just going to start handcuffing some guys here um, because that's the state of running back this week for me. Um, so a lot of these guys, there are some plug and play options, kind of like Tate talked about, like maybe get you 10, 12 touches, maybe a goal line score for me on a lot of these guys, I'm going to bring up here on the show. It's shooting for the upside. If the one injury happens, if that happens, I want to be a week or two ahead of it. So first guy I'm going to bring up here is Rico Dowdle. That's Mike McCarthy's boy. That's the clear handcuff for Tony Pollard. We see all of the work that Tony Pollard's getting both on the ground and through the air and Dallas, like Anything happened to Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle would be the engine of that offense. So, yeah, he's going to be number five for me. We will continue to monitor. He was ruled out for the remainder of that game with a hip injury. So, we obviously will need to monitor that as we move throughout the next couple of days here before we set waiver wire claims. However, I do agree that Rico Dowdle is someone to circle here as the clear guy that would step into that role if something, God forbid, were to happen to Tony Pollard. Derek, I will send it back to you. RB4 pickup on the week. Where are we going? Yeah, not very exciting, but... Only three touches in week number four, missed week number three, but back in week number two, we did see kind of the 50-50 split between him and Gus Edwards. That is Justice Hill of the Baltimore Ravens, and they're not going to be playing the Cleveland Browns defense every single week. So weird week for Justice Hill. I know that you know Melvin Gordon was also a little bit involved, uh, but the, the, the workload mostly went to Gus Edwards. I don't know if it stays that way. It went that way in week number four. Tough matchup weird game and altogether with you know dorian thompson robinson under center for the cleveland browns uh i just would like to go ahead and stash 
Justice Hill and and see if his role expands and maybe reflects that of what we saw from him in weeks number one and number two. Yeah, in week two, we saw a completely even split there with Gus Edwards before the injury in week three. And then I didn't honestly expect Justice Hill to play this past week. That was kind of a surprise active for me for him to be back. I think that he's still working his way back from that toe injury. We could see things start to even out again as we move into week five and beyond for the Ravens. Debro, send it back over to you. RB4 pickup on the week. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to go to Chuba Hubbard. Um, <clears throat> again, bringing up some of these guys that can get 10 to 12 touches per week. Uh, Hubbard absolutely falls into that mix. Carolina Panthers offense might not be great right now, but again, we think that volume is king in fantasy, and it is. And with Miles Sanders, if he were to miss any time, we're talking about a lock, set, forget guy that's probably going to be sniffing around the top 24 running backs. So with standalone value right now as a low-end flex play that you could you know, roll out there in a pinch with RB2 upside, if anything happens to Sanders and he misses time, Hubbard's going to be in my number four guy. We saw Hubbard this past week, 16 total opportunities here in this game. Now, we did have Miles Sanders coming into that game a little bit banged up. We didn't know what the workload was going to be. Saw an increased workload here. uh, Debro, with Chuba Hubbard, what percentage of fab bid is he for you? Is he this like 5% guy like you're just stashing or is this a little bit more than that? I think all of these guys, like basically every guy on this list for running backs for me is so... Basically, two through five on this list, all the guys that I bring up are anywhere between one and three yeah. percent. It's really, I put them all in the same bucket, and you're just tossing darts. That's all you're doing. And whoever happens to land on your uh, on your roster, totally fine. I look at all these guys are in the same tier. We're having the same type of conversation. Uh, Derek, did Chuba Hubbard crack the top five running backs for you? Yeah, he did. He actually came in at number two. Um, I was we we knew that Miles Sanders was dealing with a groin injury throughout the week, right? And he was even, I think, questionable heading, you know, at some points during the week. But, you know, 14 carries is certainly something that is going to grab my attention. Um, We've never been super excited about what we've seen from Chuba Hubbard in the past with an expanded role (laughs) in the Carolina offense. But 14 carries is 14 carries. And for that, yeah, he's actually at number two on my list. All right, let's keep moving here. Derek, I will keep it here with you. Who is at RB3 on the week? Now, this is where I'm with Debro, is that you do want to try to identify which running backs could hit a home run as far as their value goes if the incumbent gets hurt. And that applies to Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears because while week three, yeah, it was just a terrible week across the board for the entire Tennessee offense, uh, the efficiency was putrid on the ground. Every other game we've seen Tajay Spears, his efficiency when given touches on the ground has been fantastic. And even on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals, five carries for 40 yards, eight yards a carry in week two. It was six yards per carry in week one. It was nine yards per carry. But he's also getting a little bit of work in the passing game every single week. So I actually think Tajay Spears has a three down skill set and God forbid, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens to Derrick Henry, but should it happen that, you know, we see an expanded role or he's the guy for a week, I think he automatically becomes a top 15 play at the running back position. So he's a dart throw in a stash worth, you know, keeping on my bench just in case something happens in deeper leagues. Debro does Tajay Spears crack the top five for you. Oh yeah. He's my number two guy. Um, and then, 
everything that Tate said is absolutely true. I mean, Spears has been a missed tackles force per attempt magician this year. So I think you're not only playing the outs of uh, Derrick Henry injury, you're also playing negative game scripts because we've seen Tajay get 40 to 50% of the snaps in games where the Titans lose. And you're also playing the narrative. And I know this is like, I'm not connecting dots and making rumors where they're not, but off-season rumors of Derrick Henry getting traded. If he were to get moved on from in this season and Tennessee says, look, I mean, let's get a pick back for a guy. We're not going to win yep. eventually before the deadline. Spears would be one of those guys we're talking about as a possible league winner. He's that good. The volume would be his. I don't care about the rest of these running backs on that roster. Tajay Spears would be a fantastic pickup and a guy would be a difference maker. Like, I mean, put it this way, guys. No Derrick Henry. Would we not be ranking Tajay Spears as a top 15 running back, top 20 at the floor on a weekly basis if he was the starter? So this is all while, like, you need to be picking him up now because once it gets to the point of there was a trade, there is an injury, things like that, you're too late, baby. Right. You're blowing the clip. Let's not do that. It, with more rumors circulating and surrounding Ryan Tannehill as well, that is something, like you said, connecting the dots, not, you know, but there is something there. If mm -hmm. they do move Ryan Tannehill, that is a situation where it's like, why are we keeping Derrick Henry then, right? We're moving to Malik Willis or Will Levis. Let's move on and let's reset the roster here. That could be a situation where Derrick Henry does get moved at the trade. I like that call here for that reason as well. So, Debra, we've talked about RB5. We've talked about RB4 on your list. We've talked about RB2. Who's at RB3? <laughs> RB3 has got to be Tank Bigsby. And again, we're just talking about one injury away types, and I'm not forecasting an injury for Travis Etienne. Tank Bigsby does have a slight goal line role in the Jacksonville offense. I'm not telling you to play him as a flex play and stuff, but if you were in a seriously deep league and you were going to hope and pray for a touchdown or a goal line tote, Tank is not going to be a horrible play in your lineup. But this is all just comes down to it is a handcuff option. He's in one of the best offenses in the league. I know they're struggling right now. I think Doug Peterson's going to take back over play calling. Jaguars are going to be fine. Everybody just take a deep breath. So this is really just one of those high-end handcuff options to get now before it's too late. Fortune favors the prepared. And as we have talked about, we've talked about Tank Bixby on recent waiver wire podcasts as well, right? It's that same thought process of get this guy onto your roster now and just let him sit there if you do have the space because the potential of what he could be as the season progresses as well to carve out potentially standalone value as well. I do like the call. Derek, let's send it back over to you here. We haven't talked about your RB1 pickup on the week. Where are we going? So Yates, you and I have, you know, talked about a bunch of sleepers. We even drafted a full full on sleeper team heading into the season against Kyle Sapi. And one of the guys that I mentioned during that sleeper conversation at the running back position was Jaleel McLaughlin. And so I've thought about putting him on this podcast list, you know, for the last two weeks. <laughs> you know, he scored a touchdown in week two, but it was on one carry. Okay, don't get excited about that. Week three, snap share increased. Five carries, but that was in a blowout against the Miami Dolphins, who they let score 70 points. But now this week, injury to Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin showed that he has plenty of juice. And Yates, I know it's against the Chicago Bears rushing defense that gives up a lot of yards. They're still a work in progress, yada, yada, yada. But you can't tell me that he didn't look great. And to me, this backfield, it feels as if that it's, it's kind of unsettled. And with that type of performance, seven carries for 72 yards, and then also what he did at Youngstown State as a pass catcher, 
translates to the NFL, and in particular with Sean Payton, who likes to get his backs involved in the passing game. So he is definitely worth a speculative ad. I don't, I don't know if I'm inserting him into my lineup right away, but he is certainly worth spending, I think, around 15% of your fab on uh, just to see if his role increases. And who knows? Javante Williams wasn't playing out of this world, and Sean Payton didn't draft him, so what's to say that he's going to stay loyal to that of Javante Williams? I, I think he could work in tandem and potentially even, you know, work 50-50 with whether it's Samaj P. Ryan or, or Javante Williams, but he showed us a lot of juice on Sunday, and he's certainly somebody that is now was on my sleeper list. Now he's got my attention. Debra, we have talked about the top or five, four, three, two. We have that RB1 spot open in your waiver wire list. Is Jaleel McLaughlin that player? Oh, yeah. He's the guy, and he's the guy you spend up if you're going to bid aggressively for any running back or, heck, a lot of these different players outside the top three wide receivers. I mean, McLaughlin is a guy that you need to be opening the wallet for. And I know a lot of people can look at this and say, okay, well, it's Javante missing time. Really, what if he misses one week? Like, you're going to hate the fact that you spent 12% of your fab on him. Okay, that's if we're not going to sit here and play the card of can he overtake? And I'm not even going to say, like, I'm not going to go with Tate and, like, say that he overtakes, like, Javante Williams, things like that. And I know that's not exactly how he outlined it. But my point is, can he just overtake Samaje Pirine? Pirine has not looked good this entire season. So I'm not even just playing the narrative, okay, him getting the run with Javante on the sideline and him being in the lead back, which Tate hit, hit a home run there. Like, absolutely. He took over the early down work. 10 touches and you turn in that into over 100 total yards? That's impressive. As well as we're talking about a guy that is talented enough in the preseason, 3.1 yards of contact per attempt. In college, Tate talked about his receiving acumen, 1.2 yards per route run. All of that plays, baby. And we're also talking about a coach who's shown us in a history of playing smaller running backs. We're all, look, I know everybody that's out there watching and listening might not be old enough to know who Darren Sproles is. But go, go, you googly that. Go look up his name. See the highlights. He was impressive. Julio McLaughlin can do similar type things in this Denver Broncos offense. He can be a guy who's getting 40 to 50% of the snaps on a weekly basis. And he could take that RB2 role away from Samaj P. Ryan, if not be the lead back while Javante is out. So, well, I think the easy way to frame McLaughlin is saying, okay, well, yes, he's got a lot of value while Javante's on the sideline. There is also sneaky upside for the rest of the season here that people need to be buying into because I don't know how many more of these waiver wire running backs we get the rest of the year that are actually talented outside of the running back handcuffs that we're sure. talking about on this show. If we don't get a lot of other injuries, this could be one of the last guys that could hit the ground running and really be a guy that is factoring into your lineup decisions every single week. For context there, Debro did say 10 to 15% of fab. You're correct, right? You're in that range of mm-hmm. 10 to 15% yep. of the fab there for Julia McLaughlin going into this week. The other running backs worth mentioning here. I mean, we if we're talking about guys like uh, you know, we, we mentioned Latavius Murray and Justice Hill off the top with 3% fab bits. It's not exactly a super deep running back waiver wire list. The only other player that I will mention to keep an eye on and potentially scoop up is Jeff Wilson Jr., the running back for the Miami Dolphins. We don't know how this backfield is going to play out. Devon Achan, um, Achan is just taking over here, but 
there is the potential that Jeff Wilson comes in and carves out a role. If no one's thinking about him right now, make sure to scoop him up. Let's move over to wide receivers here. Uh, Derek, I will start with you. Who is at number five in the wide receiver pickups on the week? Here's someone you can get for absolutely free and probably not have to bid a dollar on him. Mike Evans sustained a hamstring injury. He wants a new contract. Mike Evans has been playing great. And this guy isn't Mike Evans. And I'm not saying he is going to be, but somebody's going to see an expanded role in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing offense outside of Chris Godwin. And Devin Tompkins certainly has a case to be made. I, I, I like what I've seen as far as his snap share throughout the 2023 NFL season. I know that people are going to be high on Trey Palmer, but you know, Tompkins is the one that caught four passes for 45 yards and a, and a highlight real worthy touchdown against the New Orleans Saints. So they're heading into their bye week five. You probably don't even have to worry about adding this guy right this second. But in deeper PPR leagues and an aging receiver that's dealing now with a soft tissue issue in Mike Evans, I just kind of wonder if there's going to be another wide receiver that's going to factor into this passing offense moving forward if Mike Evans sustained a bad uh, hamstring injury. Again, could Evans be back in week six and Devin Tompkins is back off your roster? Sure. But, you know, if Mike Evans is to miss time, you know, somebody's going to have to fill in that role alongside Chris Godwin. And I think Devin Tompkins has as good a chance as anybody else on that Bucks receiver roster. Absolutely. Let's move into wide receiver five pickup on the week for you, Debro. Where are we going? Uh, it's going to be Michael Wilson. Um, and, and I'm going to say this with a caveat. I do not want you starting him over the next two weeks. Picking up Michael Wilson right now, yes, it's off the, the heels of a strong game. People might be rushing to insert him into their lineups if they do get him. But he's going to get the Bengals and the Rams. Both of those teams, their outside corners, are playing out of the world. I do not want to sit here and be starting Michael Wilson in that matchup. No, but when you look at Week 7 coming up, Seattle Seahawks, baby. That is a matchup to look at plugging Wilson into your lineup. Last week, 17% target share caught all seven of his targets for over 70 yards and two scores. And we've seen the talent flash. Now, a lot of injuries in college. Can he make good on it in the NFL and have a better NFL career than he did college career? It's possible. Um, and this is not a sexy offense to be buying into. But again, I'm not telling you to start him in the next two weeks. We're looking at him as a long-term ad to either play versus Seattle or Kyler Murray comes back. This offense could be on the rise. Derek, where does Michael Wilson land in the wide receiver rankings pickups on the week? Numero uno. I, I, I've been super high on Mike Wilson uh, or Michael Wilson throughout the entire draft process. And I really, truly believe that there's not an established pecking order, even still through the first four weeks of the NFL season. Sure. Holly, I think he works perfect in unison with Hollywood Brown. And you, you mentioned that name, Kyler Murray. We don't know if we're going to see Kyler Murray during the 2023 NFL season. But if we do, all of a sudden, I, I believe all of these Arizona pass catchers, they all get a slight tick up in value. And Michael Wilson's proving that he can at least be productive given an ample enough amount of opportunities with Joshua Dobbs under center. So to me, he profiles as probably the best possession receiver on the roster, uh, you know, obviously with you know Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. Uh, being the other two main cogs at the wide receiver position. I know that they have Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, but I really like what I've seen through by from Michael Wilson through the first month of the season in an offense that we didn't really expect to produce as much as it's been producing. And if they could get a, their franchise quarterback back at some point, I see the potential for 
you know, growth and expansion, um, the long play, like Debro already mentioned. So I'm all on board with getting Michael Wilson on your roster and stashing him away, not starting him immediately, but I think he could have a little bit more standalone value in the short term um, in the coming weeks if he can build off of a, a very productive week number four. Watching his Stanford tape, the take that I came away was that Michael Wilson is one of the best route runners in this entire draft class. Like it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then I think right behind in that next tier down was Michael Wilson. Now he ended up going in the third round of the NFL draft here because of injuries that Debro alluded to. So that's something of course to keep in mind, but the talent level is absolutely there. And now the opportunity is there as well in a wide open wide receiver depth chart here in Arizona for a team that most likely is going to be throwing the ball plenty as they play from behind. Let's move into Derek, uh, number four wide receiver pickup on the week. Where are we going here? Yeah, we've mentioned him previously on this weekly episode, and I'm going to go ahead and continue to say it. Jaden Reed is still somebody that's involved in this Green Bay offense. Granted, he's not really posted a monster week. I know he had the two touchdowns back in week two, but still very involved, even with Christian Watson back in the fold, 67% of the offensive snaps. Now, you know, the... Packers did fall behind pretty quickly in this one. So the game script kind of favored Jaden Reed and three receiver sets being on the field quite often. Uh, but this kid's still producing. I mean, you know, three catches, 55 yards. Uh, still, I think, a, a very good playmaker after the catch. And uh, continuing to see his role expand. I mean, it's it's been a promising start for this rookie. And it seems like he's a, a kind of a mainstay in this Packers passing offense. Debro, let's keep it moving here. Wide receiver four pickup on the week. Where are we going? Rashid Shahid, baby, a guy that I've been singing his praises all offseason. And again, another guy that I'm going to tell you, do not play him this week if you pick him up. One, I, we got to sit here and talk about Derek Carr's shoulder injury that plays into this, but also New England Patriots. Man coverage heavy team. I want no part of that with Shahid. But if you look at the next two matchups he has, Houston and Jacksonville after that, they run their corners on at least 68% of their snaps in zone coverage. This is where Shahid thrives. Not only is he the downfield guy, for the Saints, so big plays. He is also getting some work out of the backfield. A few touches, pop passes, screens, things like that. But also, he destroys zone coverage. 27% air yard share, 2.51 yards per route run against zone. And this is not just this season. Small sample last year, he was up near the top of the league against zone coverage. So a guy that not only offers you um, you know, some flex appeal, but some ceiling. And then in the coming weeks, you mentioned the matchups here, obviously New England, like you said, in, in week five and then week six, Houston, Jacksonville. But if you keep going down his schedule, week eight is Indianapolis, Chicago, Minnesota. He has the bye week in week 11, Atlanta, Detroit, Carolina, New York Giants. Like that list is just like favorable matchup after favorable matchup here. So Rashid Shahid, we could be talking about him as a top 36 wide receiver as we get into that stretch there towards the end of the year. Derek, let's send it back over to you. Number three wide receiver pickup two on the week. This one I'm having a hard time with, but on paper, you should go get Jamison Williams. I, I'm a little indifferent about it, but certainly him coming out of college, he's a dynamic option in the passing game. He can get you vertical. He can beat you underneath. There's a lot of things that he can do that he adds an element of explosiveness to this Detroit Lions offense that I think that they've been missing. I mean, they, you've been getting it maybe from Khalif Raymond or or Josh Reynolds or, you know, what's left of, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. Jamison Williams is certainly going to have a role in this offense. I just don't know what it's going to be. Goff does a lot of his work in the short to intermediate 
range of the field. That's not where I see a lot of the strength being for Jamison Williams, but certainly he is someone who could come in and complement what Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta do very well. So he's he has to appear on this list now that he's available heading into week five as opposed to what was originally going to be week seven uh, with the suspension being lowered by the National Football League. Debra, what are your thoughts here on Jamison Williams as we go into week five waiver wire? Oh, uh, this is my number two guy on my list. He's fighting for the number one spot. Actually, I think that these two guys that I'll, I'll talk about the two and one spots are in a tier by themselves. So the fact that he's number two, I, I, I love JMO. I want to pick him up everywhere. You need to be best betting. I can't talk. Words elude me. Bidding aggressively for Jamison Williams because we're talking about players that can be difference makers. You pick him up. Is he? Does he have the ability and the talent to win you a week in fantasy? Yes. And people, I, I, I get that the, the, the star is dimmed in, in a lot of people's eyes as far as what they expect out of Jamison Williams. Man, his absence has made my heart grow fonder. Like, I'm here for it. I'm here for Jamison Williams because you're buying into a really good offense in Detroit. Like, we're talking about a Detroit Lions offense that right now is eighth in yards per game. They are seventh in explosive pass rate. And if you look up, and I was surprised to see this, fellas, Jared Goff is tied for the fifth most deep attempts in the NFL. He is fifth in deep passing grade. He's second in deep adjusted completion rate. So we're talking about, do we want the downfield threat for the Detroit Lions? We've seen what Josh Reynolds can do. He's not even in the same area code of talent as Jamison Williams. What can Jamison Williams do? He could be a guy that you're plugging in every single week as a wide receiver three with money, 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 money upside. So yes, go a bit aggressively for him. Let's put that into context, Steve. What is the fab recommendation here for Jamison Williams? Because I think people are going, there are believers. And then there are people that are like, mm -hmm. you, like you said, the stars have dimmed a little bit. So people are going to be like, I don't even know what to, what to really even go after Jamison Williams with mm -hmm. from a fab perspective. Put that into context for me. I think it's going to vary widely to leagues. To me, the conversation starts at 15%. I think that that could seem aggressive to some, but I think that that is a blanket number that is going to get you exposure. If you're running multiple leagues, there are going to be leagues where you are going to get him at that clip. Now, I'm going to say that was with a caveat. If you are in a league where you know people, you have Detroit Lions believers. Okay, we're out there. We see you. The other part about this is, are you in a league that you know people bid aggressively? Or you know that somebody is a Jamison Williams truther through and through? First question you ask is, why are they not already on your right. roster? The second you say is, well, is 20% too much? I don't think it is because at this point of the season, we're looking for real difference makers. And if some of these guys at the top of my list and Tate's list are not there in your leagues, then you're saying, how big is that list of difference makers? And especially when you also marry that to the wide receiver position, we're not talking about running backs. We're not talking about guys that there's one injury away. They get into your lineups. They're going to get volume. Oh, yeah, let's go. Blah, 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 blah. We're talking about the wide receiver position. The names of the guys that you can name on one hand, two hands, that can come off the waiver wire and get you a 17, 20% target share, hell, 22%, and give you real weekly upside is very, very slim every single season. 
let's move. Let's keep moving here. We're running a little bit tight on time. So Derek, I do want to send this back to you. Let's get your number two wide receiver pickup on the week. Yeah, I'll be real quick. Curtis Samuel. I understand that he feels like the third wheel in that passing offense because he probably is the third wheel, but he's right there production-wise with both Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson through the first month of the season, and they're even getting him involved with handing him the rock a couple times because that's a skill that he has. So as much as I... He's part of the reason why I'm not super high on any of the Washington Commanders receivers on a weekly basis. I'm not ranking any of them inside my top 20. It's not because Terry McLaurin and John Dotson aren't really good prospects. It's just because there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, and Samuel is getting fed through the first month of the season. So uh, Curtis Samuel is, is giving you decent production. I think that he's got to be somebody that you add on your roster and you can confidently plug and play in deeper leagues in a flex spot if you're in a pinch during the bye weeks. We look at the next four weeks for Washington here. It is Chicago, Atlanta, New York Giants, and then Philadelphia, which he just you know put up 15 half PPR points up against here this past week. So a solid stretch here where I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Curtis Samuel again at this time next week of go pick him up because he just had a solid performance here up against the Chicago Bears. Debro, let's group number three and number one wide receivers on the week here for you. What do we have? Marvin Mims uh, makes the list at number three. Again, we're talking about difference-making rookie wide receivers to be stashing now. All the efficiency metrics line up. All he needs is a full-time role in this Denver offense. 7.2 yards per route run entering the week. 3.9 again this week. That talent is real. Give the guy snaps and he's going to explode. Quentin Johnston is my pickup of the week, and he might not be out there, so I, I get it. People are going to come into the comments and say, eh, Quentin Johnston's not available in my league. Well, guess what? 47% rostered on Yahoo, so he's not above the 50% mark, okay? So it is out there. He is out there. If he's out there, pick him up. I'm telling you, just the same amount of aggression that you use with Jamison Williams, use it with Quentin Johnston. We're talking about a guy that could be the wide receiver, too, in the Los Angeles Chargers offense. All he has to do is hop Josh Palmer, which is not a crazy thing to do. We know who Josh Palmer is. Quentin Johnston could be that guy. They have a bye week this week to assimilate him further into the offense. We'll talk about difference makers and league winners. QJ could be that dude. We'll talk about other players that are outside of the top five here for both of you guys. Uh, as we look at Tyler Boyd, obviously a very, very scary thing to invest in the Cincinnati Bengals passing attack right now. Mm -hmm. But with T Higgins projected to miss some time here, that is a player worth mentioning here in week five up against the Arizona Cardinals could have a really, really solid performance here. And then Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers coming off of a pretty solid performance here in week four as well. Let's move into quarterback waiver wire rankings. Derek, I will start here with you. Who are the, who is a quarterback worth looking at? in week five due to their matchup yeah one guy that really comes to mind uh it's cj stroud did you know he's right now he is tied for the third most pass attempts in the nfl alongside joe burrow through the first month of the season and he's been, look it's not just that he's throwing the ball all over the yard and there's no production or anything like that he's producing i mean this houston texans team is way better than we thought that they would be and that credit to D'Amico ryan's credit to the offensive coordinator bobby slowick i believe you know, but Stroud looks in command. He's playing, throwing the ball with anticipation. He's playing on time. He's he's not, his eyes aren't dropping when he has, gets some color flashed in his face. He's poised. He's on time. He's accurate and in command of that offense. So CJ Stroud, you know, not only is a streaming option for this week, honestly, I think you could probably do worse than him in your one QB leagues moving forward. CJ Stroud has, has been 
a pleasant surprise so far in the 2023 season. I mean, typically you fade rookie non-mobile quarterbacks and you're on the right side of that trend, right? You're staying away from those guys here. CJ Stroud, QB 13 finish for fantasy in week two, QB 12 in week three. And he's looking at another top 12 finish here this week up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I thought that that matchup was going to go dramatically different because of the offensive line state for Houston. He's producing even regardless of that. It's incredibly impressive. Debra, who is a quarterback worth looking at here in week five? Yeah, Stroud's the real deal. He'd be the number one guy. If not, if he's not available, two names to consider here. Matthew Stafford, who is right at the 50% rostered mark, so he might not be out there. But this Rams offense, we got to give him flowers, man. They're playing extremely well. Stafford, if you throw some touchdowns on any one of his weekly performances, we're talking about top eight, top ten numbers. Um, if he's not out there, I will bring up Sam Howe. Uh, going against Chicago Bears this week, uh, we've seen what the Bears secondary looks like. Sam Howell, if we ever could get the rushing upside, it's a team with the passing upside that we've seen. And the Washington Commanders, ability, they're putting up points, people. You talk about how like feisty the Cardinals are on a weekly basis. This Commanders team is as well, led by Sam Howell. So um, deeper option and one that I, uh, two guys that I think like can definitely finish with top 12 production this week. We're seeing too, for Sam Howell, we're seeing the Washington defense, not exactly live up to expectations or hype mm -hmm. yet again here coming into the year, uh, allowing 30 points per game so far this season. So Oof. that's going to continuously put Sam Howell into situations where he's got to pass. He's got to play to keep up in these matchups. So a name worth mentioning there available or only rostered in 13% of Yahoo leagues. So definitely someone to pick up here and play in week five up against the Chicago bears. Let's move into tight end here. Uh, Derek, who is a tight end worth looking at here in week five? What does this guy have to do to get picked up <laughs> in more than 30, like 30% 30 of Yahoo leagues? I, I don't understand. To me, it's Zach Ertz. And right now he's currently the tight end 10 in PPR formats. And it's not like an aberration or an outlier performance where he had one week, huge game, scored multiple touchdowns. He hasn't found the end zone yet. And quite possibly due to his own, you know, hands problem with at the end of the game against the San Francisco 49ers where Dobbs threw him a perfect little seam route right like right up the middle of the field and it went right through his hands it would have been an easy score which would have made him probably a top five play at the tight end position this week instead he finishes with six catches for 53 yards and he's had six catches in three games this season only one real dud performance outside of that he's seen what eight or more targets in three out of the four games. What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> like, why is he available in so many leagues? I understand it's the Arizona offense. I get it. It's not very exciting, but Zach Ertz is seeing plenty of volume on a weekly basis and the production's there. And if touched like, like Debro just mentioned with Stafford being able to find the end zone through the air, if Ertz starts doing that, then he's flirting with like top six, top seven type production at the tight end position. So yeah, him against Cincinnati, Please. Easy streaming tight end option. Debra, what about for you? Who's a tight end worth looking at here this week? I'm going to bring up a deeper league name, but I don't think like people are going to snub their nose at this name. Logan Thomas, man. Um, and I'm not just on the commander's bandwagon. We will look at usage. Logan Thomas is running the routes. He came back after the concussion this week, saw only a 7% target share. So people could say, eh, I'm not too interested in that. You go back to week one, 22% target share, 24% air yard share. And now we're talking about Logan Thomas is staring down two really good matchups, one with the Chicago Bears and the next week against the Atlanta Falcons. Both of these teams are top 10 in fantasy points per game allowed to the tight end position. So if the wide receivers, if Curtis Samuel isn't getting it done in these next two matchups, Logan Thomas can. 
So I think he's a guy not only you pick up to stream this week, but could be a top 12 guy over the next two weeks. If you guys thought that I was going to let an opportunity go by to not mention or to mention Jonu Smith, uh, you, you're crazy. <laughs> Jonu Smith, you're, I, listen, he's the tight end too in Atlanta on that depth chart, but he's getting the job done over Kyle Pitts and has a matchup up against Houston here this week. Jonu Smith is ranked as a top 15 tight end for me this week, and that feels ridiculous to say, but man, I'm, I'm back in. I, it's finally happening in the way that I did not think that it was going to <laughs> uh, after he got a massive contract in New England and did nothing. Hey, guess what? He's a tight end two in Atlanta, this passing attack, and he's actually producing. Johnny Smith, worth keeping an eye on there on the waiver wire. Let's go into the DST pickups on the week. Derek, who is a DST worth looking at due to their matchup? Give me the Detroit Lions. They're going to be going up against the Carolina Panthers. And as long as Bryce Young is the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in week five, which he will be, like, what are we what are we doing here with the Carolina offense? Like, in games that Bryce Young has started, it's been 10 points, 17 points, and 13 points. And really, outside of the Saints that he's faced, there's been no real quote-unquote elite defense that he's faced yet. Uh, so he's not producing when it comes to like playing against mediocre defenses. I actually think the Detroit Lions are pretty feisty on the defensive side of the football. Um, I love Aiden Hutchinson. I, I think he's going to introduce himself <laughs> personally to Bryce Young on a couple of different occasions during their week five matchup. So I think you can you can rely on the Detroit Lions defense. Not something I'd be thought I'd be saying right. very much, but I think you can rely on him in week five against the Panthers. Debra, what about for you? A DST option here off the waiver wire. Man, I love Tate's call. I love the Detroit Lions call. Um, that's fantastic. I can't actually believe that they're out there. Like people not been watching what this defense is doing, top ten right. and pressure rate, like producing all over the field. I'm gonna go with the Green Bay Packers here. And this is against the Raiders. Like that that offense looks broken. Devontae Adams is banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't care if it's him or O'Connell, it doesn't matter who they're gonna start. Brian Hoyer. Start them all. They're all <laughs> terrible. Um, put them all out there. The Green Bay Packers secondary has had some ups and downs, but overall good secondary top 12 pressure rate on this defense. You're going to get after the quarterback. Those are my top two DST options on the week as well. Detroit and then green Bay. So I like the calls there, gentlemen, let's move into top 10 overall waiver wire rankings. Let's put it all into context here. Derek, let's have you list out number 10 down to number one. Yeah, I'll go CJ Stroud at number 10, even though I know it's not popular to pick up quarterbacks. And a lot of quarterbacks don't appear on my list, but I will go with CJ Stroud. I've been that encouraged by his start to the NFL season. Then give me Latavius Murray at nine. Give me Jaden Reed at eight. At seven, I'll do Justice Hill at where am I? At six. six? <laughs> I'll go Tajay Spears at five. I'll go Chuba Hubbard at four. I'll go Jamison Williams at Three, I'll go Curtis Samuel. At two, I'll go Michael Wilson. At number one, I'll go J Jaleel McLaughlin. All right, Debo, what about for you? Uh, ten is Tuber Hubbard. Nine is Michael Wilson. Eight is Rashid Shaheed. Seven is Tajay Spears. Six is Logan Thomas because tight end sucks and you need one. Five is CJ Stroud if he's out there uh, or consider Matthew Stafford or Sam Howell. Uh, four, Marvin Mims. Jaleel McLaughlin makes three, and then a tier by themselves. Quentin Johnston at two, JMO at one. All right, that is it for the Week 5 Waiver Wire podcast here. Debra, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to jump on and talk some Waiver Wire options here with us. Why don't you let people know what you've got going on and where people can find and follow you on social media? Yeah, man. All things and stuff over at Fantasy Pros. You can follow me on X or Twitter or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays uh, at Debra underscore FFB. And yeah, guys, this is fantastic. All the waiver wire pickups. I mean, look, 
We're staring down week five. I can't believe the week, the season is going as fast as it is, but we better hold on tight and enjoy it while it's here. Absolutely. Remember to uh, uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops. If you're watching over on YouTube, youtube.com slash at PFN Fantasy. Appreciate all the support there, and make sure to take 30 seconds out of your day, rate and review the show. Helps out in a massive, massive way. All right, that'll do it. For Debro and Derek Tate, I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.